This is the Adopted Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Welcome everyone to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am Alex Fitton, and today my guest is Sarah Avery. She is an occupational therapist and a volunteer counselor to birth moms considering the path of adoption. And I am just, I'm super, super honored that she came onto this podcast and shared her story. Um, We're going to get to hear her whole emotional and raw experience and understand how important it is to care for everyone on all sides of the adoption spectrum. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but grab the tissues because it's just, it's such a touching and just raw story, and I am so excited for you all to hear it. So let's get right into our interview with Sarah Avery. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much Hello. for joining me. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, okay, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I am a pediatric occupational therapist. Um, we do work with kids with special needs around the preschool age. Um, been living in Northwest Arkansas for about three, three to four years, something like that. And just, um, yeah, just really loving the area and then hanging out, playing soccer. And that's pretty much what my time is. I don't think I knew you played soccer. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't been able to give it up. I know I, all the younger girls are still, uh, getting the better of me, but I'm just not ready to give it up. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. You seem pretty young and spry. (laughs) Um, okay, well, that's awesome. And where you're not from here, but you're from the South, right? Or more no, of the South? No, I, I was um, raised on um, South Side of Atlanta in an area called Noonan, Georgia. And then I went to undergraduate school in Mobile and then did my graduate work in Memphis, Tennessee. So I've just kind of been all over the South. <laughs> awesome, um, awesome. Yeah, living in different areas. All of our SEC rival areas, basically. Yes, yes. So I'm always torn. <laughs> That's okay. We'll forgive you. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, go ahead and let's just launch into your story. And like I said, if you if you need to grab tissues, you should probably do that now. And I'm not trying to put too much pressure on you, Sarah, but it's just such a good story. So yeah, let's just go ahead and start there. Um, and it kind of starts back in Atlanta, right? It does. So I um, had just finished my senior year in undergrad and had gone home. I in May and I had about till January before I started graduate school. So I was home and moved back in with my mom and just kind of working and getting mentally prepared to start graduate school. Started dating this guy and um, things progressed rather quickly. Um, And after a few months, I didn't really feel like this is who I was going to marry. So I, um, you know, we broke things off and, um, a couple, maybe a week or so later, I go to my, um, annual lady doctor appointment and, um, for just my yearly checkup. And, um, my doctor had been a good friend of ours for a long time. My family had lived and, same area in Georgia for forever. So we've always had the same doctors. And she poked her head in and said, um, are you here because you're, you're pregnant? 
And I said, um, you know, hush, you know, I thought she was just kidding. And I said, are you kidding? And she looked back at me and said, are are you kidding? And we just kind of stared at each other. And even then, um, I thought, this is just a big mix up. It's fine. So uh, we went, she sent me down to just do an ultrasound. She said, we'll clear this up. Sometimes things get mixed up. Well, um, the ultrasound tech uh, did her stuff, and I spotted it before she did. I could see um, the little collection of matter there. Um, And at 23, I was pregnant, and not with someone that I intended on spending the rest of my life with. And I ran out of the room crying. Um. And in just total shock, I decided I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to tell anybody right now. I'm just not, you know, um, I need a minute. And that lasted uh, for seven months. I went on to graduate school. Um, I just, I didn't tell anybody. A friend of mine knew and my sister knew. Um, And you were living at home, right? I was living at home and looking back, my mother said that she should have been, she should have known something was up because I was not myself, Um, you know, trying to hide essentially this depression, but not let on to anything. Um, So I go on to graduate school and in Memphis, Tennessee, they don't really have a cool season, really. (laughs) I'm wearing sweatshirts with jeans that don't fit. Um, so I decided at seven months that it was time to tell somebody. Um, so I called my mom and I told her and it was one of the hardest conversations I've ever had because it's this shock, it's anger, it's just everything. And so, um, she came up and we just sat there like what 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 are we going to do um and for me at that point I had time to process it but I was still waiting on the Lord to like give me something and I think looking back I thought the silence was a punishment you know Mm -hmm. you had no business having sex with someone that you were not married to so this is kind of like your punishment and so um, one of my friends, I mean, one of my mom's friends called, she was a pastor and she helps counsel women who are, who have gone through an abortion and she, she just loves on them and helps them and counsels them. And she called and she said, the first thing she said to me was, this is going to be okay. And I was like, Miss Pat, you're crazy. This is not going to be okay. This is, this is awful. Um, but she just was adamant, this is going to be okay. And so we, through a series of talking to different people, um, had heard about adoption. So we went to the adoption center there in Memphis um, just to talk, to figure out what what to do. Because I knew more than anything, I wanted my kid to have a two-parent home. 
with two parents who knew and loved Jesus because I spent half of my childhood seeing a two-parent home and then having divorced parents at 15 and seeing the two different worlds. I knew which one I wanted, but how I was going to do that and go to school and make sure that my child had everything, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what I was going to do or how I would make that happen. So, okay. So let's back up a little bit before you made the choice to adoption. Did you, was there ever a point that you considered the alternative? Yeah, I would get down in the shower because I had two roommates and I didn't want them to hear me like crying. And so I would just pray in the shower. Like, Lord, if there is any way that I can raise my child, I need a sign. I need, I need to hear from you. And I was never, ever at peace about that. But that was always something that, you know, you're, that I was just praying for that, you know, something would, the Lord would come up and be like, this is how you're going to do it. This is how we're going to make this work. And have you, you know, this child have everything that you want them to have. Yeah. And it just, it just never happened. And I was getting closer and closer to my delivery time. And I wasn't at peace with that decision. With keeping um, the baby. Mm-hmm. with yeah with parenting on my own or like not I wouldn't have been on my own but it would have been they would have been split right, between right. and I I couldn't stomach it and at the adoption center you're given a, a birth mom counselor and my birth mom counselor and I were talking we did pros and cons for weeks, I wrote down paperwork of pros for adoption, pros for parenting, you know, back and forth, back and forth, till finally I realized there was no way that I could have what I wanted and they not miss out on something. Mm. And that being a two-parent home and seeing, you know, Jesus in a marriage. And that's when I realized I... I need, I needed to make plans and set everything into motion to make sure that they had that. And so that was through adoption. Wow. But, you know, I, I think the Lord has a way of, of protecting us from our own decisions sometimes, because I think if I had known about the emotional storm that was coming after my, my child was placed, mm-hmm. I, I would not have done it. I would have been too afraid, you know, right. too, too scared too, um, you know, just out of fear. Absolutely. And so I, um, I decided, you know, I'm going to put everything I can into ensuring that my child has what I want. So, um, I started looking at books and I knew my child is biracial. And I knew I didn't want them to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was only one African-American family adopting, just one. Wow. And I was like, okay, Lord, okay. And I never <laughs> met with another family. Uh, they were the only couple I ever met with. And um, it they wanted closed adoption. And um, I wanted open. So 
there was some conversations, you know, like, how do you make that work? What's middle ground for this? Um, and it was hard for me because I was seeing such fear. I don't know if it was fear, but they wanted my child, but it was very clear that they weren't really wanting me. Mm-hmm. And that was hard, you know, um, because you're already kind of carrying shame right. with it. I mean, pregnancy out of wet, out of marriage is one is a sin that everybody gets to see. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't, you know, there's no hiding it. Everybody sees it. And so you just, you're walking with your, your sin for everybody to see. And the feeling of not wanting you, I mean, that's hard. I mean, it's hard for anybody. Right. Um, well, and but not, they, to, not to sound like a therapist, but I mean, how did that make you feel? Walk us through the emotion of, of, of that, of not feeling a feeling like a part of you. Cause at that point she was a part of you, a part yes. of you was wanted, but the other part wasn't. Right. So I, um, had not figured, decided, found out what I was having. And then, you know, it was hard for me because, uh, a lot of the adoption books they had, we want a girl or we want a boy, we want this gender and we want, you know, this, that, and the other. And I felt like we're picking for puppies here. Like, are we, <laughs> I, I, I felt like, are we called to adopt or, or are we picking out specifics here? So it was already nerve wracking to see, um, what, am I even going to, is my child even going to meet the criteria for what they're wanting? You know? Mm-hmm. So, which added an extra level of kind of pullback for me because, I wanted someone who wanted, her, and I found out it was a little girl. I wanted who wanted her for whoever she was, however she looked. I mean, I'm as pale as a ghost, but her daddy was as you know dark as they come. So who knew what <laughs> shade she was going to come out? Right. Um, and so that was. There's a level of guard that goes up. My guard wasn't up, but it went up. Mm-hmm. And. I didn't understand the other side because I'm a very extroverted person. And I was like, man, if we're going to do this together, like I'm just, I need us to just love the tar out of each other because there's no way that, that this is not going to, this cannot be anything other than good, you yeah. know? And I told them in one of our meetings, I said, if you, if we don't have a good relationship, then I have saved her from nothing. I could have kept her. And put her in an in-between between, you know, me and her biological father. And it been kind of cold. Mm-hmm. I could have done that on my own. But I'm looking for a full circle of just surrounding with love and acceptance. And the package deal when it comes to biblical adoption. And how, you know, we love, you know, everybody's baggage. Yeah. You know? And I'm sitting here thinking you were 23 and you had yeah. that wisdom. That's amazing. Well, I you know, thank you. I just, you know, I think it you have to grow up so fast, you yeah. know. I can imagine. Um and so it was hard. We we didn't click right away. I knew that they were who the Lord had, but I wasn't happy about it. Mm. Okay. Because it wasn't the picture perfect that I wanted. I I needed I was already afraid. I needed someone on the other side to be like, you're good, sister. Like, 
we're not afraid of you. You know, we're not, we're not um, going to take your child and run. You know, we're going to, we're in this because we were called to this or, and, you know, or, you know, families who can't have children of their own, you know, right. This is just the way the Lord has led them. And so after, um, she was born, um, we had a little ceremony and, uh, you know, I handed her over and it went from, like this joy and everything I had planned. I'm going through all the checklists of things I wanted for her. She's got it. She's got it. She's got it. She got three older brothers. You know, she's not going to stand out. You know, she's got a Christian mother and father to raise her, you know. And then it was like a funeral. Mm, wow. But, but, but nobody had died. And so it's this hard place to be in because... Nobody under, nobody outside of our family could kind of grasp what we were feeling. Right. Nobody had died, but someone was lost. And essentially, in our minds, for forever, because she's, you know, she's theirs now. Mm-hmm. She's not mine. And so, the two and a half years after um, she was placed... And I saw her, I still see her every six months and I get pictures every three. So I, you know, I knew I was going to see her, mm-hmm. but the depression that came afterwards was, uh, was intense. Right. And, and, s- and before you knew that, I mean, you were, you're sitting in this hospital bed holding this baby and, and take us to that moment where you had to choose because there's a window and you could have said yeah. no, but at that right. moment you had a choice to make. Right. So, um, Miss Pat, who had spoken to me after I originally told my mother, she was there and she said, um, we're all going to go and you're going to have your time. And I said, no, it's fine. I want everybody to see her and love on her. She said, Sarah, you take this time. Mm. And looking back, I'm just, I can't thank her enough for it because even then I was praying anytime now, God, you just say it, but sometimes he says no, and it's not to be mean, but it's because he's got this bigger picture that you can't see in your sadness. No, it's hard to see anything when you're crying. You yeah. can't see anything. So he he again was just very silent. And I just took pictures and it was just us. And for that short time I had my mother and daughter moments. Mm-hmm. And so I just knew that I had to, had to keep going. And, you know, it's, it's a weird place to be in when you know, you're, you you know, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, but your emotions don't match it. Because Mm -hmm. we think that if you're, 
that if you're doing what the Lord has called, there's like this joy and you're just, you just sing and praises the whole way through. And that is, that's just not, that's not life. Right. That's not reality. That's not reality. And that, that's just how, that's where I was. And even on the, they wheeled us to the chapel, wheeled me and my, my daughter to the chapel and everybody followed and even then, everybody was so quiet. It wasn't really a celebration. It was almost like, again, like that funeral. Mm-hmm. And I know it was because the adopt, you know, my child's ad- adoptive parents or her parents now, um, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And that's a fa- and that's a fair question. What do you do? How do you be happy in someone else's sadness? Um. And so. That's where it is. That's where it was. And, and and they didn't really care to do an option ceremony. I asked for that. Okay. Wow. Um, yeah, I asked for, you know, I needed something that said, we're going to start this off with scripture. This, mm-hmm. this, this handover pro- time, you know, just tears of not great happiness, but still in worship. Yeah. Um, and that's what we did, and I was very thankful that they agreed to that because I know that they probably wanted to get on home and be excited and happy and, you know, rightfully so. Um, so, But you know what? I think that's so important. I mean, the audience you're speaking to is mostly adoptive mamas, and we're the ones on the other side of that. And that's mm-hmm. – I think that that's so telling of we don't want to face that. We don't want to see the other side, and and that's why your story is so important. Because and and that's why that ceremony was so important, because you were asking them to look at pain in the eyes and and deal with it and be a part of it. And um, and I just I think that that's so hard. But again, that's what we're talking about, about Mm -hmm. it's not always joyful. It's not always pretty. And on the other side of that, we sometimes like to pretend like it is. Right. Um, But uh, I mean, just just going on with your story. So you said. Two in the two and a half years that followed. Yes, it was awful. It was awful. And not every birth mom is like that because I have talked to many, many birth moms um, who are years down the road from me and they didn't feel the same way. You know, they were they were at peace and then their life kind of moved on. They were they were okay, And I just wasn't. I wasn't. I missed her more than I could stand. I was carrying all the physical traits of have having a child. I had hips I didn't have before. I had, <laughs> you know, a stomach and just everything, you know. Those and even minors. my mom, yeah, and my mom had to stay with me a few days afterward because everything else happened. I mean, like breast milk came in and she and I both had forgotten about that. So it was just like this whole thing, The fit, your body says you have a child, mm-hmm. but you don't. Uh, and so... Those two and a half years, I, I I battled with God. I mean, I was so angry because the heartache should kill you. But for whatever reason, it doesn't. And I was so angry by that because I felt like it was so cruel. Um, and my relationship with the adoptive parents wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was a lot of hurt on both sides, a lot of fear on both sides. Our visits were cold. 
Mm. Um, my picture updates were not very informative. You know, I was getting duplicate pictures that they had already sent me the months before. Um, and it was this realization that when people sign up for adoption, they sign up for the child. They don't sign up for this emotional train wreck over here. And that was very hard for me because I consider myself a very personable person. And I just said it in my mind, like, I will, these, these people will learn to love me. Everybody else loves me. Why don't these people love me? You know, like I, I want what's best for my child too. I will, I am not going to step in and, and confuse her. I don't want to confuse her. You know, I, I, I've done her no good if I ever make her hate her mother, you know, her mother, you know, the woman who adopted her, I, I've, I've done nothing by her if I do that. Right. Um, but looking back, they were dealing with a whole set of things that I couldn't relate to at all, you know. Um, so it's kind of Satan's way of, of having both sides be like, well, they don't understand what I'm going through. They don't understand what I'm going through or, you know. Um, driving a wedge anyway. driving a wedge yeah I mean and you know I realized also nobody knows what to do with birth mothers they don't know what to say to us they don't they it's either oh or it's all sorts of questions that you're just like yeah I thought of that yes or you know certain comments you're like that's not helpful so you know you don't nobody knows what to do we celebrate adoption, but we don't know what to do with the starting point of adoption. Right. You know, um, and I had to really come to terms and heal with the idea that there's pain on the other side of adoption. You know, I don't know why my daughter's parents decided to adopt, but I know that there are women who can't have children and they wanted a baby. They didn't ask. They don't want all this Lord. they just wanted a child. Mm-hmm. You know, and that comes with a whole nother set of hurts. Um, and, but I will say I haven't met a birth mom who didn't ask to say the same thing to the Lord. Like, God, there are so many women that want to have children. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> I did not ask this. Like, literally, it's kind of like this thing where I, I don't know a birth mother who didn't say that, you right. know? Wow. And then on the other end, ado- you know, these adoptive mothers are saying, why'd you I want a child. Why did you, you know, allow her to have a child, but not me? And so, you know, it's just hurt, hurt on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. It is messy. But, um, here I am. My daughter was five in June and it's a beautiful mess. It's a mess, but it is beautiful. And I, and, and there's no other way that God shows up and shows out, you know? Yeah. Then, then, then times like this, then in mess, when you're like, there is no way that any of this is going to work out. And then he does it and there's nobody else that could have done it but him just making it beautiful. That's, so. that's such an amazing perspective of just um, seeing that beauty from ashes. And you said you went through a dry spell with God with questioning. How long do you think that took after she was born that you wrestled with God? I mean, it was the full time, but I was very, I've been blessed with a group of girlfriends who 
at from the start once they found out I was pregnant, which I did not tell them they found out through a gossip train. You know, so <laughs> that was fun. They have been ready to walk with me through this the whole way. And none of them knew anything about it, you know? Yeah. And one of them ended up being a birth mom counselor out of it. So that's so cool. Right. Yeah. And so when she told me she wanted to do that, I was like, you're crazy. This has been the worst experience ever. But she, you know, I've been fortunate and blessed to have that. And my birth mom counselor, who I'm still very close with and just love and adore, held on to me, mm-hmm. you know, they they did. And they kept saying He's going to he's going to use this for your good. He's going to use this for your good. And you have to hang on to that small little answer that you had, that small little piece that you had that said adoption is the route we need to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and Luke one forty five has been my scripture that I've prayed over my daughter's life in general. And it just talks about blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And. That is all I had, you know, and I, I got to a point where I'm like, if this is, if if adoption is what you want, if you bless adoption, we have adoption Sundays all the times at different churches. Nobody mentions birth mom. And I said, Lord, I need to know that being a birth mom is biblical. Mm -hmm. I need, I need something. And you won't find, don't. Google birth mom. You won't find in the, in the Bible. I tried it, (laughs) but you will find a story of a man named Moses and what his mom did for him. And goodness, she to me is probably when I get to heaven, I just want to sit and just talk to because she to me is a more accurate representation of a birth mom. Because she had nothing to hold on to. She knew the life that was around her isn't what she wanted. And she packed a basket. You know, I I picture it that she put his favorite blanket in there. She maybe put some like a little bit of food or something that she knew that if anybody found him would know to give him. And I think, you know, the children's Bible version says, you know, we just, she put him in the basket and, you know, down the river he went. She was smiling. I, and <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I picture it is that she was running along that bank, just saying, God, at any point, I'll just say it and I will, and I will get him back. I will grab this basket up. Just give me <sighs> one way, you know, as she's like tripping and trying to keep up. But. Goodness. It just keeps going, you know, mm-hmm. and the Lord was faithful and, you know, he, you know, did great things with Moses, but it took that act of, of having nowhere else to go and just total blind faith. And I think now our blind faith as birth mom is trusting that the adoption agreements made, um, are, are going to be fulfilled because they're not law binding, binding, um, but it takes total faith that this adoption parents are going to do what they say, whether it's pictures, whether it's emails, whether it's visits, you know. Um, but one of the things I did for my daughter was I had packed her a basket and filled it up with books and pictures and 
blankets and things like that. So it was just so amazing to see it come full circle, you know, to see, to understand what a woman who the Bible doesn't really tell us much about, Mm -hmm. but to kind of get a better representation of what it was like for her, you know? And I, so that kind of started my process of healing with it all, but it was also hard because I also felt like the poor, undeserving woman as I watched my child go into a palace. You know, right. it seemed like God had given this uh, this other set of this couple everything, you know, stable home environment or, you know, great godly marriage, three wonderful children. Like, why? Why do I have to send my child? Why did they get the palace? Mm-hmm. Why couldn't I have the palace? And so that was hard. And it wasn't until I got a call asking me to talk to a 15-year-old girl who was dealing with an unplanned pregnancy. And I was like, absolutely. Yeah, I'll talk to her. And that's when I realized, like, okay, maybe the Lord is going to do something with this. You know, just being someone that girls can talk to. Because we got to be honest here. I mean, you and I live in a college town. If we think there aren't girls planning with unplanned pregnancy around here, then we got our head in the sand. Yeah. And so I... After, you know, around a few years ago, around the time that you and I first met, I was just beginning to start to tell my story and be okay with the weird looks and be okay with the comments of, well, you're in a healthy place. My child's birth mom, you know, she's, you know, she's not. And kind of articulating better the, st- the need to still have grace. Mm-hmm. That grace means loving someone who doesn't deserve it at all. And it's very easy to pinpoint why someone doesn't deserve something, doesn't deserve to raise their child, doesn't deserve to be mom. But it's even harder to have grace and say, God tied our stories together through this child. And while I may not know her, I'm going to pray for her. Right. Well, I'm not trying to be the fixer. No, because that's Jesus. That's Mm -hmm. not anybody else. And that's kind of how I began to kind of heal. And I always now start with the same words that Miss Pat told me, like, this is going to be okay. And nobody ever believes me. I don't believe Miss Pat. (laughs) Um, But it is going to be okay because the child is here. There's still, you know, a heartbeat. We're still, we still got decisions. We still have options. Um. And it has kind of become my ministry, if you will, uh, to really challenge us as those of us in the adoption process and those of us who are in the church to learn to love the whole process. Mm. Because we have adoption Sundays, but very rarely is there mention of these women who this like where this child came from. You know, just mm-hmm. because you rescued this child from a home at a tribe in Africa or DHS care system that doesn't mean that there's someone not grieving Mm -hmm. someone not wishing 
Lord, why didn't you help me get off of my drugs? Why didn't you, you know, help me have a stable home? What are grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, aunts all missing the presence of that child. And I think by not being comfortable with birth moms, we're essentially pushing girls to think that their only two options are to parent when they know they're not ready or to abort because the abortion clinics are telling them it's okay. It's okay. Whatever you've done, it's okay. You could come here. And that's what we as the church should be saying. It's okay. You're 15, you're 13, you're 40 and, and don't know what to do. That's okay. We can, we know how to love you. What a powerful statement. Just that we should be saying the exact same thing as the abortion clinics are saying. Yeah. Wow, Sarah. And I remember, I mean, because we, if you know any, I'm not used, but just if anyone listening knows a little bit of our story, I remember asking you because we were in a, we were in a situation where we had a birth mom that was kind of a loose cannon and we didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming to you and asking, what should my attitude be toward this? Because I'm just so angry. Yeah. And you told me to remember that even if she's on drugs, that that's, you know, I mean, what it, it would be better coming from you. But what did you tell me? Well, I think I, I remember it. And I think I told you just to really pray for her even more. Because if I had to sober up to the realization that my children were gone, I would never sober up. That's what it was. It was just like so powerful when you told me. Yeah. That. I mean, because. How how a woman grieves, how we all grieve looks so different, you know, in one hand, we think, oh, a grieving mother should look like X, Y and Z. But in the other hand, we're like, we don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So grieve, but grieve the way we say, but also grieve over there. Yeah, grieve quietly. Grieve quietly. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, I know it's, it's so hard. And I know people are going to hear this and be like, yeah, my birth, my child's birth mom is not like, you know, you. She's whatever you put in place. But I would challenge, and I, and what I usually say is, I, it's think about even if you waited till you were married to have sex and you never got on drugs, you did everything right. You would still need Jesus to come and die for your sins just as much as her. So nobody's higher up here. We're all in this even playing field. And so great adoption, especially open adoptions. And I think all forms of adoption really though, grace, Mm-hmm. Even forgiveness, you know, if you are upset at the life that your child's birth mother provided and, you know, has caused some issues. It's got to be grace and forgiveness because essentially what you what we should be wanting is to show our children, either biological or adopted or whatever, what how Jesus loves. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy. It's easy to love people who are nice and cool and whatever, but it is quite a testament to show Jesus' love to those that we don't think deserve it. Because they and, deserve it just as much as we do. Yeah. And if, and if anything, it makes you stronger in your faith, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it only helps you. So so, so where where are you at now? What, is, what does she uh, know you as? So she just calls me Sarah. 
she hasn't really asked many questions. I, I don't really know what her parents are. We haven't really talked about it in a while. When she was first born, we had talked about me being tummy mommy. That's just kind of a visual mm-hmm. for um, kids to kind of follow. But she just calls me Sarah. And I see her right after her birthday and right after Christmas. So I think she pretty much just associates me with gifts, which is cool <laughs> with me. So you just, just saw her then. Yeah, I just saw her and we had birthday gifts and we did chalk and we just played. And I'm just so thankful um, that the Lord has, I I feel like um, the relationship with her parents and myself are beginning to feel comfortable, consistently comfortable. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of things that the Lord has to do, but... I don't walk away crying anymore thinking, uh, hello, are you paying attention? Because that was a nightmare, Lord. Like, I don't know what you were doing, but (laughs) I did not feel you in that visit at all. I love Um, that you talk to God like that because I'm only, I'm only just now realizing that you don't like, you can talk to God however you need to talk to him. He knows what you're thinking anyway. Yeah. Then The formal prayers are awkward for me. And so (laughs) I just am like, I just talk, you know, and uh, yeah, so I walk away from my visits. They're in better places. And she, she now remembers, okay, I'm going to see you again. So she said, next visit, let's decorate brownies and such and such. And I said, okay, yes. So it's fun now. And You know, one of the things that really kept me going during that really dark time, because, I mean, in full disclosure, like suicide was considered a few times. Like I just it was too much. It was too much to face everybody. It was too much to walk into church. It was too much to just feel like I had taken my my mom and dad's one grandchild away. Like it it was it was too much. But I just knew that when she had questions, I wanted to be the one to answer them, mm-hmm. whether they're hard, whether she's angry, sad. I wanted to be the one who, who answered those questions because I, I, I feel like I'm the only one that can, yeah. you know, a lot of people can't answer those questions for me, um, about my thought process and what I wanted for her, what I prayed for her. And, um, and so that's what has kept me, kept me going. And so, She's not asking questions yet. She's just pretty much like, you know, this is someone we go, we have fun with, we love on, and then we see her again. I mean, it's, I feel like I I am biased, but if it's a possibility to have an open adoption, it can be a beautiful thing because there's no, there's no secrets. Yeah. You know, the child gets to see where they came from, but also who loves them. And it's just in circled in this acceptance and total love of the package adoption deal, you know? Well, and on the other side, there's no, like, I mean, you know, I'm not looking forward to when my son gets older and we have to have that. I mean, he's going to grow up knowing, you know, knowing his forever day and knowing how special he is because of adoption. So it's never going to be a like sit down conversation when he's nine years old, but I'm sure there will come a time where he's going to have questions and I'm not going to know how to answer those. And it's so great that your daughter doesn't have to do that. Right. And, and it takes pressure off of her parents too. You know, 
what if she hits them with some serious questions and they're like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, right. you know? Um, but I mean, it's just like, it's three ways, you know, I think a lot of times I tell people when I talk about my story, it's, it's the third option. It's the option nobody hears about. You hear about parenting and abortion, but the third option is always there that no, you know, adoption and placing your child. But when you surround your child, you've got the adoptive family loving them, the birth mom loving them and Jesus loving them. That's you get, again, you've got that three Mm -hmm. just totally surrounding them. Um, in this love without any type of broken off area. Right. And if, if your child's birth mom is not in a place to do that, then that's when you cover your child, your child and your child's birth mom in prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to make up for that lost, that lost area. Um, what, and so what like, that's so amazing, Sarah, what you just said is so awesome. I mean, everything you've said is so awesome, but you just keep hitting me with like these awesome truth bombs. You're just like, wow, how old are you again? Because, (laughs) well, yeah, like I said, you got to grow up quickly. I've had many nights to just stew. Yeah. Um, And so if nothing else, if I have nothing but toys and fun activities with my daughter, even if I had never had those, I told the lord like should these parents ever just up and leave and we can't ever trace them um i will never stop praying for her you know i will i will never stop praying for that time that maybe she turns around and looks for me because the day before mother's day is birth mom day and i drive down to birmingham alabama for um lifeline's birth mom luncheon and i sit in a room full of birth moms who just nobody knows you know, they go back home. Most of them, people in their lives don't even know their birth moms. And when I would go, the counselors and the women who helped put it on would be like, we're so honored to be around you. And I, that just used to irk me. Why do you say you're honored? Do you know what I just did? I got pregnant by a guy I didn't know. Um, I call myself a Christian woman, and then I'm walking up in church all pregnant and stuff. And so <laughs> I don't know why you feel honored. And being there a few years, I listened to these women's stories, either same as mine or drug addiction or, or rape, you know, and they've chosen to carry the child. And I just, I mean, I'm just, I'm in awe. Yeah. And I think if any adoptive mother could ever just go and, and go to that luncheon, I think their eyes would just be really open to that other side. Yeah. And it would be a place for them to like, just ask their questions, you know, get their questions, get their concerns out, you know, mm-hmm. and it would be another way for the whole process to be healthy, you know? Right. And so that's, wow. that's kind of where I am. And, you know, wanting to challenge churches, like, how do we get ready? How do we prepare for a pregnant girl walking in saying, I'm not ready to raise this baby. What do I do? You know, because uh, a lot of churches would go, uh, there's a pregnancy crisis center down the street, which I was not about to walk in because it says teen pregnancy. Why, why else would I be walking in there? And then someone I know see me walking out. Right. I'm not walking in there. <laughs> You're like, um, uh... it's just like a billboard for the only reason you'd walk in there. Yeah. And so, which I'm not dogging those organizations. I'm love them and I am in contact with the ones here. I'm just saying the church should always be a place that we say 
we're ready for you. We're good. Um, yeah, and I'm thinking that our church, The Grove, needs to host a birth mom luncheon next year. That's 100%. Oh, my gosh. I would love it. I would oh, absolutely yeah. love it. I'm on it, girl. Me and you. Yeah. Let's plan it. For sure. Um, I will. That'll be so great. Yeah. I didn't even know that that was a thing, but I'm so excited. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. And it kind of brings, you know, because for, you know, a while I'm always like, Lord, am I the only birth mom in this area? I can't be. I can't be. Absolutely. You're right. We live in a college town. That's ridiculous. Right. And so um, any any kind of way to kind of draw, you know, birth moms out because, you know, stuck in shame or whatever, you know. Yeah. The stories aren't going to get easier to tell. And the other side, you know, the adoption's not going to be whole until we as birth moms learn to um, to not walk in fear of what society will say and think of us and sin shame us for our decisions and um, that we are more than what our sins are. You know, our identity is not found in that. And, and, and my identity is not found in, in my child or the pregnancy or anything like that, but it is a part of me. Right. Um, and uh, so, and that's, I mean, that's true for any mama, but um, yes. So, Okay, so this is like the uh, lightning round, if you will, but just some closing questions. So what do you wish someone had just grabbed you by the shoulders and looked you in the eyes and told you at the beginning of this journey? Um, I think I was fortunate enough to have that Miss Pat telling me this is going to be okay. Um, but I think if 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 I could say something else and wish someone had said to me is this does not define you. Okay. This sin yeah. is not who you are, you know? And cause that was an identity uh, that I carried for a while, you know? That's so great. Yeah. Um, okay. So what's the biggest encouragement do you have for women or girls, um, in similar situations? Oh man. You have options. And it will be okay, whether you have the same support that I did with my mom and my friends, um, you're not alone. And there is support out there. And it's going to be hard, but never give up on that child that you feel that's inside of you. You know, this is, this, it is going to be okay. Yeah. Um, and what's the... Just last question here. So what's this like the singular best thing you wish or biggest thing? I'm sorry, not best thing, but biggest thing you wish women on the other side of adoption. So me and most of the people listening to this uh, realized and how can we be more sensitive to it? Uh, I wish that they realize that there's an actual woman on the other side, mm. that it's not just. um it's a woman. It's not their sin. It's not the drug addiction. It's not a girl who's 15. It's not a girl who getting ready to go to jail. It's, it's a woman and she needs grace. And while people may not think that she deserves it, the Lord did choose her to carry, to bring this child into the world. So he, there is value in that. He finds value in her and I know, and I can't relate directly, but I can understand how hard it would be 
to learn to truly love and pray for someone like that, to see them more as a woman going through everything yeah, and not just their sin, their sin identity, you know, that's so great. So, okay. So where can we, um, where can we find you on social media? Is it just your name or? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm not on Facebook, but I am on Instagram and it's Sarah underscore Avery zero six one eight or email. I'm still a big email person and I feel like everybody's getting away from that, but I still email. No, I um, think email's great. Yeah. And so I email and I, um, you know, like I said, I've, you know, you're a woman who's hearing this and is pregnant or on the other side of adoption or whatever, um, you know, please re- contact me. I can, um, you can reach me at email. It's S A V E R Y. Um, what zero six ten at gmail.com. And, so. um, and where do you counsel through? Is it Bethany still? I am still with Bethany, but I also have still do some stuff for lifeline whenever they ask me to both okay. are really great organizations. Um, very um, birth mom centered, but I think it's important to kind of see which one works best with you because your, your birth mom counselor should be your lifeline. Yeah. Essentially afterwards. So, well, and I can attest that Sarah is as personable as she said she is earlier and she's super (laughs) open to questions and um, advice. So I'm very serious. If you are in that situation, really, really do reach out to her because she's great. And, um, Thank I am, you. I'm so happy to know you. And I feel like I haven't talked to you in a really long time because we don't go to the same service at church, I know. But, but I really like you and we should hang out more. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, but thank you so much for being on my podcast and I'm so excited for people to hear your story. And I think it's just so important. Well, thank you for asking me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I know this stuff is hard, and I hope you found encouragement here. Remember, you are enough, and you're doing a great job. God wants to be at the center of this journey, and He is big enough to redeem all of our mistakes. Don't forget to check out show notes and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks again for listening.